It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. Hey, man, thankful for you guys listening. Today, we're talking about putting your car up for the winter, maybe even longer. I've done it to a few of my cars, man. And I always tell people, now, Bird, you know this, man. The one thing that will kill a car faster than anything is just driving around one day, pulling it into a barn, a garage, a shop, outside, whatever, and all of a sudden, boom, you don't touch it. A week goes by, a month goes by, two months goes by, battery goes dead, you're not thinking about it, you got your other brand newer, smells prettier, looks shinier, uh, drives a little cooler uh, type, right? And all of a sudden, it's been a year, two years, four years or more, and that car is dead in every form and fashion. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you you would think at first blush, like, uh, if you didn't do anything into a car, like, the worst thing you could do is drive it and wear it out. Uh, But just like you said, just leaving it sit. You know, obviously, when you think through the details and you talk about it, it's like, oh, yeah, it makes sense, right? The, the environment's always trying to just eat things and break them down. But, yeah, man, the worst thing you can do is just nothing, yeah. right? So we're going to talk about, you know, how do you put those things away? You know, whether it's for a couple of weeks, a couple of months, or, you know, in some cases, maybe it sits around for a few years. What do you do to take care of them? Because there's a lot of things that want to go after it, whether it's the environment or even the critters, so we're going to cover from A to Z here this, you know, on this podcast here on, on how to protect the things that you love, right? How to store yeah, them, how to man. put them away so that you can just go right back to them, pull them back out, you know, put the right stuff back on it and go to town, have fun. Yeah, man. And you know what really is kind of odd because it's so much of the same thing applies for motorcycles too. And, you know, you're, you live on a lake. I imagine doing that sort of, you know, traditional winterizing or prep work for a boat is you know, similar too. So maybe you can cover a little bit of that and, and dive in. Cause I know, man, for a fact, if I leave some of my older motorcycles, if I leave, if I make one mistake, like leaving the peacock on, leaving the fuel on, dude, forget about it. You're going to have to rebuild the car yeah. later. You know, <laughs> yep. forget about yep. it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, I've got, I've got a pontoon boat. I've got a wakeboard boat. I've got dirt bikes, uh, you know, between the cars. So yeah, it's, it's always a juggle every winter and every spring. And, and damn it, if every now and then I don't miss something or, yeah. you know, blast out of town and, uh, you know, leave the other, you know, A to B car, uh, sit in the driveway and decide, well, you know, maybe I'll stay in Florida for a little while, a while over this winter. And the next thing you come back and your, your rotors are all rusted up, your, you know, your parking <laughs> yeah. brake's been set and it's the pad stuck on there and, you know, the battery's shot and like, oh man. Yeah. So, you're like, no. You know, let alone like me. So, you know, I recently had that fire. So a lot of my rides I didn't attend to like I normally do throughout the year. I've got cars that are seasonal, cars that I drive, you know, for speed and cars that I drive just for, you know, uh, laying low and and having some fun. So it's funny because when I was building my house this last year and a half, boy, did I learn a valuable lesson. I came back and was time to move all the construction equipment and roll off out in front of my shop and get a couple of my cars out because – after not being, you know, sort of plugged into them and spending all my time rebuilding my house instead of on my cars, you take them out after a year and a half, you got some problems, man. <laughs> you have some well, issues. And it's, a lot of times it starts with good intentions, right? Oh, it's only yeah. going to be a couple of days, a couple of weeks, a couple of months, right? And you get busy, you get distracted or whatever happens and you don't quite get to it. Uh, so it, it's a lesson learned sometimes on, you know, maybe over preparing for a longer duration than you think yeah you know i'm constantly thinking oh i'll be right back to get my hot rod you know maybe i won't disconnect the battery you know 
And hey, man, I'm having fun. I'm doing other things. I kind of forget whatever comes up and battery's dead. You know, like. Especially nowadays. You know, with with the cars nowadays. Yeah, the two big ones, fuel and batteries, man. Those those two will will bite you pretty quick. But there are other hidden lurkers that we're going to talk about as well. Uh, Give it enough time and, and those will probably bite you too. Exactly. So, look, we're uh, going to take a break now. When we come back, we'll start knocking down the list. If you're storing your car, if you plan on putting it up for a month, two months, or more, pay attention, y'all. Plus, we got some big-time defense on the backside. More on that after the break. It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. Kevin Bird and Willie B. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. Fired up today, man. We're talking about something that every single guy hates to face there's a reality come winter and you know really depending on where you're at but at some point you might need to store your car and you might need to store it at a friend's house because you know the bartender knows both your wife and your girlfriend and uh, you didn't tip them very good or maybe you're just um you know you're just parking it you're uh you got something other you know that's going to absorb your time for me i recently had a house fire so what normally time i would spend in the garage I was spending working on my house and really didn't have time to take things out. I didn't have a garage space where I was, you know, renting and bouncing around because, you know, we we had a couple of Airbnbs we stayed at and so forth. So I didn't take my cars out for about a year and a half. And my God, I learned some lessons, bro. (laughs) It's uh, it's awful what can happen in that short of a time. It does go by fast, but it's really it's really a short sliver, a chasm of, you know, your car life. And although I was still in the garage, I wasn't taking out any of my cars. I was working on the cars I repair for needy families and keeping my daily drivers running. But my cars, my race car, my, you know, show car, my, you know, muscle cars, my, you know, sort of autocross type setups and so forth. I didn't take them out. And dude, it was a world of hurt when I got back. Every battery was dead. You know, it's, it's one of those things. You got a checklist. There should be a prep list and make sure you do it for each and every time you're going to park your, your girl, you know? Yeah. Each one have a checklist in it. Then you know what you did. You know what you got to unwind at the end of the season. Uh, and it just makes sure you don't forget something on your list. Uh, and, and it'll go a long way. And you might find that you add a thing or two, depending on what your experience is. Now, the one thing you need to consider is, you know, a couple of things. How long are you going to store it? You know, is it weeks, months, maybe years? So that's going to change maybe your strategy a little bit. Uh, are you indoor? Are you indoor and climate controlled? And then where are you, you know, in the country or in the world, whether you're high humidity, low humidity? So those can have, a, you know, some significant factors on how much you need to really kind of prepare. So, you know, before the break, I mentioned fuel. So that's an easy one. Um, you know, you might think, you know, fuel goes bad. So maybe I'll just have a little bit in the tank and I'll top it off in the spring or in a year or so. Um, and that, that's one way to think about it. If you've got a plastic tank, you know, whether it's on a motorcycle, my boats, uh, sometimes I'll do that. Just have a little bit of fuel in there and then try to, you know, put a whole bunch in there. But really they recommend filling up your tank so you yeah. don't have exposed metal to all the moisture that's going to build up in there uh, and potentially rust and corrode your fuel tanks, as well as probably surface area to actually collect uh, some of that moisture and build up water in there, which is definitely not going to make your your rides run right. So fuel is a big one. Uh, the other thing you can do is, you know, add a little bit of, you know, stabilizer to it. Like stable is a great one. You know, they claim it's up to 24 yep, months. Yep. Any fuel yeah. added, it works so, really well. Yeah. And, 
Hey, Kev, if you remember, there was a Camaro that we got that had been stored for several years. I thought it was like eight, nine, maybe even more. And the gas tank, you're right, the gas tank had about uh, about a third, almost a half a tank in it. And when we exposed the gas tank, everything above that fuel line was just rusted. And it had like, it almost had stalactites, you know, it was like all this corrosion building up, hanging at the top of the gas tank. It was insane. But where the fuel was, it didn't corrode. So it sounds counterintuitive, put a lot of fuel in it. Now, honestly, with that fuel, when you bring it out of storage, if it's been, you know, much more than a year to two years, if you have some sort of conditioner stabilizer or something like that in there, um, you're going to have to drain that fuel out anyway. But at least this way, it won't have the opportunity to be exposed to, to oxygen and therefore rust. And that's a big, big, big player in the game. Yeah, and a lot of times we're storing things in winter, and so that's going to make all the surfaces cold. And, boy, you get cold air, uh, sorry, cold surfaces and warm air, and you're just going to condensate, uh, and that's just going to you know proliferate corrosion and rust and all those types of things. So fuel is a big one. Hey, and, and the fuel, and the fuel you have in it is important too because if you're running, say, E85, it's going to wick in a lot more moisture than just your regular standard fuel. I have E85 in a couple of my cars, and I do the fuel treatment on those significantly more often than I do the regular cars and make sure that you know I drain the fuel out in the early spring because even here in Denver, a low humidity place, if I was in Florida, you, you couldn't store that car for more than a few weeks. My brother in Kentucky is a good example. When he stores a car, E85, he can't store it for longer than a, a month or a month and a half, 45 days, or the fuel will be so weak and moisture will be so you know apparent in the, oil, in the fuel, you'll have to change it out or it won't run right. Yeah, and like you mentioned earlier, uh, you know, draining carburetors and things like that, if it's going to be sitting for a while, else it's time for a rebuild at the, you know, the next go time. So yeah, drain those things out for sure. Those fuel bowls get dry and there's a lot of sediment and residue that's left over and those get in all those little orifices, um, power valves and, and all the sort of int intricacies that make that carburetor really function. So definitely something to think about. Just pull that thing off, turn it upside down, drain all the gas out of it. If you're going to leave it for a long time, make sure that thing is empty and then stick it back on. What's something else on, on the list that you like to do? Uh, batteries, like I said, are the other one. I mean, it's so simple. It's so easy. Uh, disconnect them. Now, most batteries will slowly drain down just by their inherent uh, you know, materials that are in them. If you get a real high-end battery with more pure lead, uh, they'll tend to drain down less. Uh, so if it's a short amount of time, you could probably just disconnect it. Uh, but if it's going to be a while, you're going to want to put a trickle charger on it. Battery tenders are great. Absolutely are a must, especially on modern cars. If you've got an old muscle car, you may just pull that, you know, the terminal off and be fine. But if, you know, you got a modern car, you want to keep that thing hooked up because there's so many computers um, and, you know, systems talking to one another uh, and sitting there dormant, you don't want to, you know, have to reboot every one of those. So a good thing is put a battery tender on it um, and get yourself some way to keep that battery charged. Uh, we'll see. What, uh, what is another thing? If you're storing it for a long time, it might be smart if you're, you know, thinking about, you know, a year, eight months or more, maybe put it on jack stand so you don't flat spot the tires tires tend to you know they'll tend to seep out or you know arrow wick through the carcass of that tire and eventually it may go flat something you definitely don't want but if you have it on jack stands it helps keep you know the critters away from it um and also it helps you know save your tires it won't flat spot your tires but that's something to look make sure you look at both when you store in your car and when you're bringing it out tires 
Man, tires are deceiving. There should be a date on that tire when it was manufactured. And literally, if you, you know, if you find yourself, you know, having a great deal, finding a barn finder, you know, a tire that doesn't seem to have any cracks, you know, apparent on the outside, if it's got cracks, you definitely don't want to drive it. But if it, even if it doesn't, if it's past that, you know, a few years, especially when you get upwards of 9, 10, 12, 13 years, you definitely want to replace it just because you, you'll be rolling down the road at 70 and all of a sudden the outside skin of that tire will just peel right off. And if you've got a really nice car, Dude, it will jack up the quarters, the fenders. It'll cause damage, man. Oh, yeah. You're not losing a tire. You're losing part of a car along with it's it. It's ugly. Yeah. And if, if it's just for so many months over the winter, you'd probably be okay pumping your tires up to the higher end yep. of the spectrum or spec. Uh, just make sure, like you said, you don't have leaks and then you find yourself, you know, leak down on a tire and it's crushed the sidewalls and yeah, stuff. Man. Uh, you know, now one, one thing that people might not think about. Uh, and not everybody does is changing your oil before you store a car. Yeah. And you might go, what, why do I care? You know, the oil was still kind of good, you know, like I still got miles left on it. Why would you change your oil? Well, you know, your oil is right. It's attached to your combustion system. You got all those combustion gases in there. You got a lot of corrosive acidic environments in the bottom in there. Uh, you're getting a lot of moisture and stuff in there that can kind of ask, you know, accelerate some of that and so you know changing your oil makes sure you have a nice clean foundation inside um theoretically you should change the oil after you've stored it for a long period of time as well because just all that moisture collection in there uh i guess you could argue that you could add like a tbn booster uh so that's going to go in uh, and replenish the detergents the dispersants and things that are lost over time neutralize that acidic you know, sort of conditions that are in there that'll corrode the yeah. inside of your engine. So if you're really getting to those next levels of taking care of your ride, put some clean oil in it, uh, especially in, like in boats. After a long season, you've been hammering on it. You got a lot of corrosive stuff down in that oil and, you know, letting it sit for six months, eight months, probably not the best thing to do. Yep. And then you're ready for spring. Same thing goes with your paint. You want to wash your car before you wrap it up, put a car cover or anything like that. You want to wash your car. Like, get it really clean and, and free of any, you know, sort of things that might be abrasive. Careful when you put the car cover on it and so forth. Because over time, if those things are loose, if it's got any sort of abrasive dirt, um, any sort of tree sap or just, you know, road grime, and you put that cover on there, it's going to scratch it. So, smart thing to do. Uh, change the oil. Obviously, that's smart. Also, wash and clean the outside and inside of your car. Um, just, you know, get all the dirt and stuff out because the longer that sits in there, the more that smell happens. Um, and another thing we don't talk about is blocking up your tailpipe. And never forget, there's a, mm -hmm. I'm in my shop right now. There's a really sweet 58 and a half Dodge D500 custom royal back here. I fired that thing up. And the first time I did was in this shop, and I literally shot not one, not two, but about six or eight mice out of that tailgate, <laughs> tailpipe of that thing. Just kapoor, kapoor. Kapoor. That thing is sit and it and it had this massive mice nest built inside the mufflers. And when I did fire it up, man, it was hilarious. They kept hitting like charcoal briquettes hitting the back cabinet. And really, I think one of the one of the worst things that can happen is rodents. Every Oof. single car, every one of us has found that car in a garage in a shop that we loved. And man, on the floorboard on the dash, behind the dash, under the doors, under the carpet, in the headliner, mice poop. 
It's got it ruined. Mice are like, God, they suck, man. I hate those little suckers. Um, I uh, I definitely have been bitten. You know, just recently, uh, I left my cars in the showroom, and I come move a couple cars out after, you know, not really moving any cars out of the showroom for a year to year and a half. Dude, every single one of them, some really nice cars, all had mice crap everywhere. And they made a home, a nest in the headliner of my 67 Camaro. I never forget, I moved the the sun visor, dude, and out drops like two or three mice in my bucket. Boom, boom, boom. I'm like, uh, mice are one of the big things you have to combat for. And look, I'm not a, I'm no expert when it comes to pest control, but we found one. We used a bunch of his products on the show. It's our boy Matt Swift from Mouse Blocker. Hey, Matt, welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks for taking a minute to talk to us. Dude, I hate those sons of, you know what, man, those little sons of bitches. I, I've had more mice issues. I live out in the country, so every fall, you know, when winter starts to hit, they come running from the fields, and I fight them every year. I'm sure a lot of us listening fight them every year. Yeah, hey, guys, Steph, thanks for having me. No, it's, uh, it's a huge problem, and it's, uh, it's all over the world, and uh, the mice, man, they're just trying to survive like you and me, and uh, – and the cars are just not in my uh, 1970 Dodge Charger. They're not hail to the no, no. They go survive <laughs> in a in a Ford. They're not surviving in my Mopar. I'm sorry. Hey, hey, hey! Not, not my Ford. No, no, no. Maybe the Chevy. Maybe the Chevy or the Honda. <laughs> right. But yeah, they, they can get they can get everywhere. Now the first thing we think about is our cars. Uh, but then you know you think about it a little bit longer. You're like, oh, my shop, my house, my basement. You know, wherever. Uh, they're coming from anywhere, and they'll go anywhere where they can find warmth, protection, and all that stuff. Now, Matt is the expert. He's got a whole product line of things specifically set up for, you know, under the hood of your car, to keep them out of your car, for your shop, for your house. Uh, and we want to pick his brain a little bit because we know these things can wreak havoc just about anywhere and, and really just kind of scratch the surface. You know, they can leave droppings, but... Boy, if they get underneath your dash, they start eating your wiring. You have no idea where the shorts Bro. are. The, you know, you could you could be out complete harness for your whole vehicle, interior. I mean, on and on and on, building nests in your intake manifold. Hey, Kevin, <sighs> this is no joke. You know, I do that Cars for Christmas program, right? And the two destroyers of cars, any toddler, any kids, right? They just wreck a car. They tear apart the inside. Mice, man. We got a van last year, and the full, I mean, this was like a 2000, I want to say, eight or nine Chrysler, and that whole massive, and I mean, it's probably an inch and a half, two inches, you know, in diameter. It's a massive ring of wire. We had, uh, we were blown away. We had mice get in that thing before I got it. That's why they gave it to us, and literally eat the entire wire, wiring harness out of it. Just, they cut right through it. And I was like, oh, my God. So we've got a lot of donations because, you know, for those that don't know, I do a program. I give cars to needy families. Uh, and some of the cars I get donated, well, a lot of times I get them donated because mice have torn them apart, have torn the booty out of them. All right. So, Matt, start giving us some good down low on how to protect ourselves. Um, and I'm sure it comes from a lot of fronts, whether you're going to get a, a guard cat, you know, you're going to get your own eagle or a hawk, you know, whatever it is, uh, you know, what can we do to start protecting the things that we care about from from these rodents? Yeah, well, you said it. Um, a and a lot of people talk about, you know, having a cat like, hey, that's all I need is a cat, you know, and I guess you could argue if, you know, having an eagle or a snake or something like that, too. Um, but uh 
You know, the problem my pet boa loose in the garage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, the, the, the problem with those scenarios is exactly what the mice are doing. They're hiding from the predators, you know, and they're hiding up inside these cars. So because it is a safe place that the cats can't get to them, the snakes aren't and the birds can't come. So um, we, you know, we designed a product that, you know, is designed to work with a team, you know, and we want people to have cats. We want, you know, I mean, you can have snakes if you want, but we want people to have cats. We want the birds in the neighborhood to be, you know, well-fed. Um, I can and, I just in, uh, inject something here. I, I don't want anybody to own a cat. I think the little spawns of Satan, they're like a prize you get for not having sex. I think cat's the worst animal ever. Um, but everybody deserves a puppy. A puppy. That's what you should get. But puppies don't like mice. But here's the deal. All right, think about that list. E- even if it is cats, I hate cats. Um, however, we're going to come back after the break. we got to take a quick one. And you're going to give us the whole rundown. Give us A-game defense to keep those pesky little rodents out of our cars, out of our shops, out of our lives, all right? And preferably without a cat, but I understand. All right, we're back in just a minute. It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He's Kevin Bird. I'm Willie B. We're back after the break. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. We have our boy Matt from Mouse Blocker on. Matt Swift. He's the man behind Mouse Blocker, and you spent a lot of your life fighting these little pesky rodents. Give us some, give us some a game defense, man. I'm talking Kansas City Chiefs defense. What you got, man? Come on. All right, no, no, I appreciate it. And I've been doing this. You're right. I've been doing this a long time. I actually worked in the automotive industry for you know almost 30 years now, and uh, um, in a shop environment, I, I saw rodents in you know, damaged cars or just, you know, signs of them, you know, every single day coming through the shop. So um, it's a, it's, it's definitely a huge issue. Um, And that's what drove me to uh, start helping these people protect their vehicles. Um, And so what, um, what we do and what, you know, what we invented, you know, kind of 12 years ago was, um, was products um, to go under the hood, provide direct protection and create an uncomfortable environment for the rodents where they felt comfortable. So they come in where it's a nice, safe, warm engine compartment. We turned that safe, warm engine compartment into a violent space so they could go somewhere else. Uh, and we started that. I like the way you think. Yeah. <laughs> how, how do you do that? How do you turn them into, into a violent, like what annoys them? Yeah, so so our devices actually emit um, very powerful um, vibrations, um, ultrasonic vibrations that are measurable actually in in decibels. Um, Some as high as what you'd you'd measure almost a rock concert or a jackhammer. These decibels um, actually shake them like a subwoofer to you and me. So um, that's that's what they feel in their central nervous system. So they're not comfortable being in that space. So they can't sleep. If they're not sleeping, they're not chewing. If they're not chewing, they're not ruining stuff. And we can drive them out where the world can actually start um, picking them off one by one. So I remember the first time we had your product on, I never forget this. We turned it on while we were doing a, you know, a little demonstration on it. And it was so loud. It, it knocked all of our, ear, our mics and our systems we use. It pegged the meters and knocked them out of phase for a minute because of that decibel, that rating. Everybody's like, turn it off, turn it off. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but it's interesting because I assume it's at frequencies we, we mostly don't hear. Uh, if you crank one of these up, 
Uh, you can start to hear it. You know, if you get one of your big systems meant for a large area, not just under a hood, uh, you can start to hear it. But you can change settings and stuff, right? But it's meant for when you're not there. You really want to blast these things out. But it's on uh, frequencies that really kind of hitting the mouse and not necessarily us, right? That's correct. Right, right. And so, um, and that's what's, you know, that's what's super important about these, you know, about these frequencies. They're really targeted, you know, to small things, mice, rats, squirrels, chipmunks, rabbits, things that are going to get under the hood. And we were able to go super aggressive with our devices because, well, people aren't hanging out under the hood, you know, that, that's where <laughs> these things are located. And we use the engine compartment and the metal and the hard plastics to circulate our sounds and reflect and make them bounce around, um, making our making these things very, very effective. Now, aside from the sound, right, giving that frequency and vibrate the little punk butts to, uh, you know, to nauseam, is there anything else? That, if I recall right, you got a light, and so they, they don't like shadows, or that throws them off a little bit as well too, right? Yeah, you're right. So what we're, what we're doing is we're messing with their senses. So one is these things are so loud to them that they can't, we're taking their hearing away. Number two, we're shaking them from the inside out. So they feel uncomfortable, but then on our pro models, we actually have some flashing lights that, that flicker and create shadows and simulate movement in the area. So now if they're not sure if they're alone and they can't hear if they're alone, and they kind of are catching, you know, some movement in the area. They're not sure if they're if a predator is on their back. Um, we can actually, again, make that safe place uncomfortable, and they th and we can keep we can actually effectively really move them out. It's the equivalent of playing baby shark for three hours for us humans, uh, right? Just on repeat. Uh, yeah, it's just exactly. Like <laughs> now you guys have, uh, you know, one ten volt options so you can plug it in the wall but we've also got ones that we've done on our show that are, are 12 volt and there's systems that are set up that you could mount permanently underneath your hood uh and they're 12 volts so when you park your car and shut it down the system kicks on uh when you get moving again they they shut themselves off so really you know tailored for the automotive person um which is kind of cool so check those out for the for the vehicle themselves now for most of us you know we've got a garage or a shop or a pole barn or whatever uh, what would you recommend then? Would you just put them in the vehicle alone and that's it? Uh, is that enough to you know push them outside of your shop or do you then do some layering? Hey, and Matt, since you're so good at defending against them, is there other things that you would use in and around your car? So if you're thinking, you know, um, they do obviously your product mouse blocker, but are there other things they can do that will help assist, you know, even the mouse blocker? Great question. Great question. So, um, so we, um, we, through the years, you know, ha have evolved too, and we're starting to figure out, you know, weaknesses in, um, you know, in some of our designs, um, and where they, where they work and where they don't. And so, you know, you mentioned, um, Willie, where you're talking about like the interior and your headliner and, you know, and things like that. We, um, our products don't work well on the inside of a car because the upholstery and the insulation and the carpet and the headliner, like they, they absorb the sounds and vibrations emitted just like, you know, they're designed to do. Um, and therefore it, um, our products aren't, aren't effective there. And so we'd be recommending things that, you know, people talk about that smell wonderful, you know, and there's different products on the market. People use dryer sheets or, you know, there's a product called Fresh Cab or 
Um, what about uh, mothballs? Yeah. You know, my dad would tell me, put mothballs in there. So um, mothballs, one, um, are super toxic. I mean, and they really shouldn't be around. Um, I really shouldn't be around people. And I don't know if you've ever smelled a car with mothballs. I mean, I know my grandma's house, that smell is, <laughs> hey, you know. I like I, my hot rods to smell like cough syrup. You know, don't don't knock yeah, me for that. You I know? just like. I always heard that was a thing, though. I, 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 you know, I had to ask because I always heard put mothballs in them, you know. I, it, not to say it wouldn't work, but it, it keeps everybody out. You know, I mean, it's disgusting. Do the do the dryer sheets another work? Because we've we've been doing that in our boats for a long time, and it, it it seems to work pretty good. Now I'm doing mostly indoor garage, you know, heated storage, and um, you know, keeping the rodents probably out of the garage itself. But uh, for for interior of the car, throwing dryer sheets or something similar seems like a good good approach. Yeah, as long as you keep it, um, as long as you overload it. You know, like, I mean, if you're putting dryer sheets, put the entire box on the inside of the car, seal the car up. So, so new air is not be, you know, is, is not being mixed with the smelly air. And then that smell being diffused and you can actually create a really good smelling environment um, that's contained in that, you know, in that interior bubble, if you're storing it uh, and that works well. If it's if the windows are down and you throw dryer sheets in, I mean they're not going to smell like anything in three days, um, and they're not going to deter you know they're not right. going to deter anything. So um, you w- really want to be aggressive when you know when, when you go when it, when you go at it. Um, so you start you know step one you know put a mouse blocker under the hood. Let's protect the wiring. Let's protect the harnesses and the computer and the things that's going to you know make the car go down, cause a check engine light. We haven't talked about why they like that either. Kevin, can you elaborate a little bit maybe why a lot of people tell you some it's the sweetness or the insulation in the wire or something like that. What what is it they like? Why do they eat all that stuff in, under the under the hood? Cuz they're dumb and they're mice. And they just want to <laughs> ruin our lives cuz they hungry, uh, but, man. Yeah, I, you know, it's been a while since I've uh, talk to somebody in wiring, but I think it's just the casing that they, they want to chew on for whatever reasons, uh, whether they think it's food. I think there's elements in certain types of wire casing that are different than others that attract them more or less. Um, but yeah, this either way. Go at it, man. Yeah. Ooh. So we got the car thing down, right? We're doing something on the interior. We got a blocker under the hood. Uh, but what about the rest of the shop? Because, you know, you go into a lot of sh- the shop a lot of times and you'll see mouse poop all over your uh, countertops and your tool drawers. I mean, oh, it's just a big nasty mess. So how do you drive them from your car, you know, into the shop and then out of the shop again? Yeah. So well, yeah, and last year, actually, and we've been working on it for about three years. Last year, we introduced um, our shop unit, the Mouse Blocker 1000. Um, and what that was is it was an accessory to the the mouse blocker units that you put under the hood. So yes, step one, drive them out of the car, but then what, you know, now they're comfortable in your shop maybe, or they're in your toolbox or they're running around, they find it, find another box to, you know, to hide in. Um, so the, we had to, we had to go back to the drawing board and design, you know, longer range speakers, something that um, was designed to be around people because people are hanging out in the shop. They're not hanging out under the hood, but they're hanging out around the shop. So um, we had to redesign our speakers. We had to do long range kind of um, technology. Um, and it had to be something, you know, that could actually evict them from a long way away. So um, these units work very well as a team. 
And um, we can, step one, get them out of the car. Step two, with a mouse blocker 1,000 or even our new 12,000, which is for uh, warehouses and things like I showed you guys that um, recently, but that's for warehouses in bigger spaces. Yeah, like this, um, right? This big. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, with those surround sound speakers. That one, you know, and then we can get them disrupted in the shop environment, right? And and not comfortable. And then, you know, to your point, Kevin, before when we were talking about the cats and things like that, and I know Willie's not, you know, super interested in that, but we do traps, you know, um, and um, we'd want to we'd want to get them with that. So you're 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 disturbing them from the hiding places and getting them out to expose them to the traps, whether it's you know bird, cat or a physical trap, you got to get them, uh, let's say, uncomfortable and out of their little hiding spots. So now you got a system in place to evict them and catch them, capture them, whatever. Kill them, kill them all. Yeah. Hey, you, you're going to make you're gonna make my Snap-on guy really mad because I got about three or four mice that are into him for about two grand um, just, on, just in tools alone. So, uh, yeah, man. My Snap-on guy is going to have an issue with evicting them, but I'm sure going to be glad to get him out of my shop. Uh, they, they do wreak havoc, man. And, you know, if if your shop's divided or in a couple rooms, because I got one big room I'm in now and a couple couple rooms and another big room on the other end of the shop. So, you know, they'll go back and forth. They're They're pretty smart and advantageous about, you know, if you have something that disrupts them in one room, well, they'll just stay in your shop and go to another one. So you really need to map out how you're going to attack them, you know, in the car, under the hood, and in the shop to make sure you vacate all of them. They're not paying rent. Get them out. <laughs> yeah, and anybody who's not thinking just purely cars here, you know, I've got a little cottage in the woods, and we don't get to it that often. In the last couple of years, mouse have just torn it up. I mean, just getting into everything. You open all the kitchen cabinets, the silverware drawer, poop everywhere. We've had to gut and strip everything. Uh, just to clean and get us back to normal. Uh, but now I'm into that fight. So yeah, I'll, I'll be looking into uh, all the things that we talked about today, Matt, just to protect you know my little cottage, let alone your shop, garage, your cars. Uh, these Amen. these buggers can get into anything. So I think we've we've learned today a little bit about uh, you know the arsenal that you can put in place for whatever you're protecting. Hey, Matt, one thing uh, else that we didn't cover, but I want to ask: Is there anything that you would do to block off? like the tailpipe and other openings in the car if you're storing your ride that they might be able to get into i've heard you know old time people will tell you steel wool um in the tailpipe something like that is that something you would say is not a bad recommendation no that's a great recommendation it's it's inexpensive and it's highly effective and they have zero interest in chewing through it and the, so that that's a that's absolutely um a proven, a proven method to keep them out of certain spaces like that. Yeah, okay. that, that's a very good one. Uh, cars, houses, shops, you name it, anywhere you find a hole. Yeah, some still wool. Yeah, does a good job of at least closing off that. Now, these little buggers, I, I had snakes growing up as a kid. We raised mice, you know, just to feed them and stuff. And man, a couple would get away here and there. And it's amazing what they can squeeze into. The tiniest cracks, the tiniest spaces. Oh, it's unreal, dude. It's so yeah. crazy. They're, they Houdini it, man. It's unreal. I'm like, how'd you get in this thing? I can't believe what they can squeeze in, under, through. It's nuts. Um, hey, how do people 
find you, Matt, and more of your products so they can learn a little bit more and kind of judge what they need for their own space and or application? Yeah, no, thank you. You can visit our website. Super simple. It's uh, mouseblocker.com. We do have a YouTube channel with a bunch of uh, informative videos that are actually being added, you know, every every week we're uploading new ones with uh, with uh, frequently asked questions and um, some tips and tricks and things like that, you know, and uh, uh, we're always, my customer service line is always open. We're always here to, you know, to help and kind of customize because everybody's situation is a little different and uh, we've got a lot of experience that we're very happy to share. Well, there's certainly a lot of headaches out there and hopefully you can help out with some of them because uh, I think anybody that's been through it, they know, they feel it. All right, think about the most expensive car you've ever seen or heard about mice jacking up. All right, and I'll remind everybody, don't forget about our show, Aaron Weekends on the Motor Trend Network. Check your local listings. Episodes also now streaming on Motor Trend Plus, which is a great way to find us. Thanks to our guest, Matt Swift from Mouse Blocker. He's Kevin Bird. I'm Willie B, producer Scoop, executive producer, Mr. Bob Ecker. Yeah, and don't forget to check out our website, Two Guys Garage. A lot of great content down there. And share your thoughts with us on social uh, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Two Guys Garage. Now, this Two Guys Garage podcast, it's copyright 2022, Brenton Productions Incorporated, all rights reserved. All right, most expensive car you've ever heard mice get into. What do you got, Matt? What do you got, Kev? Well, I got I got to tell you, I mean, I work with a lot of uh, car dealerships on a, you know, on the daily. I mean, that Oof. that have had some monster damages and some BMWs um if they if they catch the harness on a BMW, the entire harness from taillight to headlight has to be replaced as one whole piece. Some of these things, you know, they're completely gutting the car, removing the dash, the interior, the engine, everything to put a new harness in. You're talking 50, 60 grand. um, No question. And forget about some of the new cars where the parts aren't even available yet. And then the car goes down because of a bad harness. I've, I've heard of cars sitting, waiting, you know, four or five months just to be fixed from a rodent. Kevin nastiest car you've ever heard being attacked by mice man he's got me there but yeah you you take any nice ride a new one or an old school ride uh yeah you hear the stories all the time i've been pretty lucky living in you know suburbia for the most part but yeah anything uh anything that's outside that space in the country man you're 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 destined to be hurt ask me go ahead real fast ask me go ahead all right do it what you got willie my car they suck i hate them (laughs) (laughs) all right man you guys take care we'll catch you on the next podcast seriously though my car man Ah! two guys garage podcast is produced by britain productions for more episodes visit iHeartRadio, apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite shows